welcome to the FarmBeats podcast. FarmBeats is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The FarmBeats podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, FarmBits followers, and welcome to another episode of the FarmBits podcast. I'm Kelsey Swantek. And I'm Katie Bathke. We're glad to have you with us as we continue exploring Nebraska Extension and the On-Farm Research Network. Today, we're joined by Water and Integrated Cropping Systems Extension Educator Chuck Burr. Through the On-Farm Research Network and Testing Egg Performance Solutions Program, or otherwise known as TAPS, Chuck works with producers and industry partners to increase efficiency in cropping systems. With that in mind, let's hear more from Chuck. started my professional career basically in college, got a bachelor's and a master's in mechanized systems management, uh, also kind of a dual major undergrad with ag economics. Yeah, so the first four years of my extension career, I spent in northwest Missouri at St. Joseph and uh, then had the opportunity to move back to Nebraska, so took that opportunity. And uh, yeah, I've been kind of moving around the state the last 30 some years, and I guess I've been moving farther west every year because I, I really enjoy talking about irrigation management and water shortages. You know, what do you do if you don't have enough water? And uh, there's more of a need for that out west than, than back east. So I guess that's why I've been migrating west. So for those of you who may not be familiar with the extension system, what is your job as an extension educator and more specifically as a water and cropping systems extension educator? Yeah, so the role of an extension educator is basically to take the research uh, that's being conducted at the land grant universities, uh, not only in Nebraska, but other universities as well. We share information back and forth. So we take that research and help farmers uh, to be able to adopt that to their farming operations to help them uh, be more profitable and more efficient. So uh, we do quite a bit of research in, in North Platte here, uh, talking about irrigation management, when to irrigate, how much water, what tools and techniques to use to be more efficient, and also nitrogen fertilizer management as well. So the role of a, an extension educator with water and integrated cropping systems, really kind of looking at that whole picture, you know, uh, not just focusing on irrigation management, but cropping systems as a whole. So dry land situations or rain fed, uh, you know, how do we make the best use of the limited amount of precipitation we get in this part of the state? You know, what crops to use for that? Uh, the other thing that uh, we're dealing with in West Central Nebraska is uh, water allocation. So several of our natural resource districts have pumping restrictions on the irrigators. So they have a, a limited amount of water that they can use pump on an annual basis or say a, a five-year basis. So we just help uh, irrigators to understand, you know, how to, how to use that water, when to use it to get the most bushels in, in response because most of them don't have as much water as they'd like to have. So we just help them out in understanding how to use that, how to manage that and, and get the most bushels for the, the amount of water they do get. I think that's really important that uh, allocating, especially with limited resources, that's a huge topic, especially in agriculture right now. Um, so that's really cool. Can you explain to us what your day-to-day -day tasks are being an extension educator? Like what do you do on a daily basis? Yeah, yeah, uh, great question. So a lot of different things happen in the day of an extension educator. Uh, you'll get phone calls. I, I talked to a person from Arkansas this morning uh, that's interested in purchasing some land out in the area and had questions, you know, about uh, getting uh, 
help with uh, not purchasing the land, but maybe improving irrigation systems and things like that so that the farming operation can be more efficient. So uh, get questions about, you know, how much cash rent uh, should I be charging my tenant? Uh, you know, who pays for what? How can we improve our irrigation systems to make them more efficient? You know, should I do a different set of sprinkler packages on, on my pivot to be more efficient? So a lot of questions just day to day kind of come up. Some of those are pretty random and some of them uh, you get more than once, like the question about cash rent. That's probably the question we get most often in the extension office is what, what's a good cash rent for this area. So, and then we do a lot of program planning uh, and conducting uh, educational meetings. I've got a chemigation training meeting scheduled for tomorrow. So that's where we uh, teach uh, farmers that are farmers and ranchers that are planning to use fertilizer or pesticides through their irrigation system uh, to help control weeds or insects or, or apply nitrogen fertilizer to the corn or, or hay. Um, so that, that's a regulatory program that the state of Nebraska enforces. Extension does the training and then uh, the certification is issued by the Nebraska Department of Environment and Energy. And then the local natural resource districts, they uh, go out and inspect the equipment on the pivots and the, the injection pumps and all the safety equipment to prevent contamination of groundwater. So that's really kind of the primary focus. Another training that we do a lot of is private pesticide applicator training. So uh, farmers and ranchers, again, that want to apply a restricted use pesticide have to attend training every three years. So we, we conduct that training and they basically get recertified for another three years to purchase and apply restricted use pesticides. And then we do a lot of just program planning, you know, we kind of look at what, what's a need in the area. And uh, we develop a program around that the educational program uh, on farm research is for sure a, a big part of that component of that several on farm research projects that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about here later in the broadcast. But um, yeah, again, just demonstrating to producers, helping them adopt that technology and uh, again, make their operation be more profitable and more efficient. I like that you use that term um, local, you're working on local problems, but at the same time, Nebraska Extension is all across Nebraska. So the fact that every county, every extension office is working on their own local problems, and then that network just kind of builds together. And that's just, I think that's a really cool part of the extension system. Yeah, and I guess that's the fun thing for me is, you know, we, we have a lot of leeway in, in what kind of programs we work on, what kind of issues we're trying to address. Uh, I moved to Holdridge back in the early 2000s. Uh, to be the extension educator there and it was a really dry winter a lot of dust storms and as I'm, I'm driving you know to move to Holdridge I'm thinking you know this is the dirty 30s and as I looked around there was a lot of tillage being done fall tillage and I thought you know we've learned quite a few years ago that residue cover and no-till is very important from a soil conservation standpoint but also from a water management standpoint and so I really saw that as a need in Phelps County to, to increase the amount of no-till acres in the area. So I had a pretty extensive effort where I worked with Keith Lewin, who's retired now, but uh, we put on a no-till conference in Holdridge for a number of years. And uh, really, uh, you more than doubled the number of no-till acres in Phelps County in, in a short 10-year period. So just things like that. Uh, another kind of one of my crusades, if you will, is nitrogen management. Uh, we've seen nitrate levels in drinking water increase, uh, especially in the eastern and central part of Nebraska, and eventually we'll start seeing more of that in western Nebraska. 
So, you know, just trying to, to help producers understand how much nitrogen is, is needed and only put on what is needed. And, and that changes from year to year too. You can't just say, well, okay, I'm gonna put on 150 pounds every year because some years that's way too much and some years that's not enough. So that's kind of my current crusade, if you will, is, is helping figure out uh, kind of an educational program to help producers understand uh, how to be more efficient, what tools and techniques to use uh, to, to not only save the money, but help protect the environment as well. I think that's really awesome that you can really see the implementation of some of the educating that you're being doing um, in these areas. So I think that's really interesting and cool from that aspect. Um, you kind of mentioned a little bit of your work around um, studying nitrogen. So I guess my next question for you would be um, that you're currently working on a research study within nitrogen and winter wheat. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so this project is part of a, a grant application that uh, Dr. Layla Puntel and Laura Thompson submitted a couple of years ago. It's a conservation, natural resource conservation service, a conservation innovation grant or CIG grant. And kind of the, the whole project is about helping producers be more efficient, how to test out some of these tools and technology that we have available and see if they can apply them on their farming operation. Uh, so a year ago, we had uh, several wheat fields in the area and a, and a corn field in the area uh, where we took a, collected a lot of data on that and, and again, helped the farmer understand how much nitrogen to put on. The ones last year, the, at least the ones in wheat, were pretty much targeted around uh, using satellite imagery to help predict if they needed more nitrogen in certain areas of the field or not. And then the one on the corn was using uh, an optical sensor. So as uh, the farmer was applying nitrogen through the field, he had a sensor looking at the canopy and seeing if the plants were green or if they were starting to show a little bit of yellow color and then apply nitrogen accordingly to that. So basically applying that nitrogen to the, the part of the field that needed it and not applying the nitrogen to parts of the field that maybe didn't need it. The project this year is we're looking at a couple wheat fields and uh, we're working with private industry as well. So basically what uh, the, the wheat field had already been planted last fall and it's an irrigated, two irrigated fields. So we decided this year we would go out in the spring and apply a high rate of nitrogen to a small plot in the, the field, like a 50 by 50 foot block out in the field. And uh, so I went out and applied 200 pounds of nitrogen. So this is over and above what the farmer had already applied or was planning to apply. So having that extra nitrogen out there, we had kind of a reference point. So if the rest of the field was, had the same reflectance as the high nitrogen plot, we realized that the, the rest of the field didn't need nitrogen. Uh, so basically what we've been doing is uh, two weeks ago, I went out and flew a drone and we captured some NDVI imagery. And uh, we've got a crew down in Lincoln that does all the stitching of the imagery and, and, and makes the determination of whether we need uh, nitrogen or not. And then we're working with a company out of Oklahoma, Ninja Ag, and they're using their algorithm to help us with that uh, recommendation. So two weeks ago when we flew our drone and, and looked at the imagery, we couldn't really see any differences out there. So we realized that the wheat field did not need additional nitrogen. And the farmer was a little bit concerned because you know the price of wheat is really good now. He doesn't wanna be like losing out on any yield uh, by shortening any nitrogen. So we decided to fly the field again and uh, so I did that uh, yesterday morning. I was out and got a part of the field flown. And then the other field, we used some satellite imagery as well. So we have a meeting with the farmer in the next couple of days to talk about, you know, we're, we're looking like we need another 20, 30 pounds. 
he'll fertigate uh, portions of the field. And then later on, we'll look at the yield maps and see if those areas that we put additional nitrogen on versus parts of the field we didn't, if there's any difference in yield and also protein content. So kind of exciting to, to be looking at these tools to say, okay, do we need more or not? Instead of just, you know, in the past, a lot of nitrogen is applied either in the fall or before planting. Hey, we think we need 200 pounds. They just put it on and uh, not really looking at letting the plants tell us if they need uh, more fertilizer or not. Yeah, and to me, the nitrogen has been very interesting. Just to share a personal story, when I lived in Holdridge, we, we had an acreage out in the country, so we had our own drinking water well. And we had young children at the time, and, and we always recommend it's important to test your water uh, to see if you have high nitrates or not. And in the 12 years that we lived there, our nitrate levels doubled and moved above the EPA drinking water stand of 10 parts per million nitrate nitrogen. So we had to install a reverse osmosis system for our drinking water uh, to help protect us. And then of course, anybody else that would visit us as well. So I, I've been watching the nitrates for the last you know, 35 years and uh, doing, I guess, what we can to help prevent the nitrates from moving down and, and ending up in the drinking water. Absolutely. Nitrate is a scary word. And I think people are rightfully scared of that word. Um, but this research that you're doing and that I'm doing and Katie's doing uh, is really important to help with that sort of thing. Um, I know I listened to, is it Katie Picard talk last yep. year? The water quality extension educator, I want to say. Yep. Um, and she put a big map up on the board and it was like by county, um, how many children are born with birth defects because of nitrogen. And like my county was like the darkest purple on the map. And I was like, that's terrifying. Like that's home. It doesn't get more close to home than that. So like this research is really important. And I think it's really cool to uh, be part of it too. Yeah. It's really important to know where your nitrates are at. Of course, if you live in town, you know, the city would test for nitrates four times a year and make sure they're not delivering water that's high nitrates. But anybody that lives out in the country and has their own drinking water well, it's really their responsibility to check for nitrates. And we would recommend they test that at least once a year because it can change over time. And, you know, when we lived at Holdridge, that was a prime example of seeing it double and, and move above that the EPA drinking water limit. So I'm going to kick back to, uh, you mentioned Ninja Ag is who you work with. Um, and the way I understand it is they're a soil fertility management company. Um, I looked at their website and they're huge into, they say, let the field do the talking. So can you mention, can you talk briefly on how their system actually works and how they stay true to that mantra that let the field do the talking. Yeah, and it, it kind of goes back to our discussion about that high nitrogen plot, you know, out in the middle of the field. Uh, so basically what we're looking at with the canopy reflectance, the NDVI image, is the, the color coming off the canopy. And uh, this imagery is you're able to pick up subtle differences that you and I can't see with the human eye. Uh, so we're looking at the, the color of the light coming off the canopy. If it's a little bit lighter, uh, than kind of a normal green reflectance or red reflectance, uh, we know those plants are more than likely nitrogen stressed. And so that's why we look at different areas of the field and it really you know, comes back to uh, soil type and uh, previous history. So certain areas of the field may have enough nitrogen, other parts of the field may not. So we're, we're allowing that, that imagery to tell us what parts of the field need more nitrogen and then the fertigation is a, is a great way to be able to apply additional 
parts of nitrogen to a specific area of the field or maybe not another part of the field that doesn't need it. Yes. So I, um, I enjoyed like listening to that and like hearing about how kind of the industry is kind of picking up some of these different techniques. And then with some of what I've learned from Dr. Luck's lab. So I really enjoy that. Let the field do the talking or you even mentioned let the plant do the talking because I'm, I'm probably more of a plant person. <laughs> so I really like that. Um, can you share with us kind of how long this study has been going on, maybe some of the results that you're seeing? And you've touched, you've touched quite a bit on kind of the importance that you feel about it. Yeah, so the, this particular study has been going on for two years, uh, the CIG project. I haven't got to see a lot of the results. Uh, one of the farms here in, in the north of North Platte, uh, where the producer is using a sensor, uh, he was pretty excited to be able to get that sensor to work. In fact, I, I talked to him about this project and he says, well, I've got the sensors, but I took them off my applicator and they're in a corner of the shop because I couldn't make them work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is an opportunity to try it out again. And, you know, with the, the research that's been done with the university uh, to be able to help you figure out how to utilize them. And so I actually went out in the field with him when he was applying nitrogen side dress with his applicator. And he was really, really excited. It's like, wow, now my investment's really paying off. And, you know, dad won't be mad at me because we spent several thousand dollars and they're just sitting in the corner of the shop, you know. So I guess I, I put that out there to anybody else listening to this. If, if you're interested in using sensors or imagery to be more efficient, you know, reach out to your local extension water and integrated cropping systems educator. You know, allow us to help you go through that process of learning how to utilize it. And make it useful not only to you but uh, to the environment as well so yeah just just seeing the excitement on his face as we're going through the field and in areas of the field he he knew where nitrogen stressed the sensor picked that up and, and put on additional nitrogen there so it, it allowed him to put on less nitrogen and uh, be more efficient with that which which is really huge this year because nitrogen costs you know more than doubled uh from a year ago so uh, the nitrogen is very, very expensive to apply now. You don't want to be putting on an extra 20, 30 pounds if you don't need to, because that's 20 or $30 an acre that's not really needed. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds kind of like any farmer ever that just couldn't get it to work. So I threw it in the corner and it's been collecting dust for three years now. Like, And that sounds like my family too. We were terrible at it. But again, that's what I love about Nebraska Extension is like, we have the resources, especially with digital ag right now, we're dumping a lot of money into the resources and research and um, helping farmers as much as we can. So I think that's super valuable. And I love hearing about stories like that when it's just like, just ask and we can help. That's all there is to it. Yep, just ask. You don't need to overcomplicate it. Yep. Can you talk to us a little about the value of industry partnerships in Nebraska Extension and the On-Farm Research Network? Yeah, so, you know, industry partnerships for me in the last 30 years have changed uh, tremendously. Uh, when I started in Extension, you know, I would decide to hold a meeting. I would call an industry partner and say, hey, give me $500 and I'll put your, uh, your logo on my brochure, you know, to help promote the event. Now it's, it's really changed. You know, Extension realizes that, you know, we're not the only source of information that producers listen to, right? And, and, and for great reason, because there's a lot of tools that that have been developed maybe outside of the university system, or maybe it's a tool developed by the university that has now been privatized, you know, purchased, and then now it's being marketed by a private industry. So we realize there's some great tools and, and uh, techniques out there to, 
to allow us to be more efficient, more profitable. And it's really kind of fun to, to work with them. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about our TAPS program here in a little, little bit, but we've had a, a great industry response to that. And not only are we sharing you know, the, the technology that's available uh, to producers, we're allowing our participants to uh, try that out on a uh, no risk field if you will. So then they can decide if, if that uh, tool or technique uh, would fit into their farming operation and then they develop that at home, uh, utilize that at, on their own operation. Uh, the other thing that's been kind of neat is uh, the industry gets some feedback from the participants. You know, maybe they have this, this web page that they think is just super and you talk to a producer and they're like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Why are they doing that? So it's feedback both ways. Not only are the producers having ability and access to that technology, but the industry is really getting feedback on uh, what the participants or the farmers are looking for and what makes it uh, more user-friendly, if you will. Without that feedback, uh, industry sales just might start going down and they may not understand why. Uh, so we really need to have that two or three-way communication between you know, extension, uh, university uh, participants and the industry as well. It's a great partnership and we need to really capitalize on that. Absolutely. I really, I really enjoy that perspective from the Nebraska extension, I guess, um, having worked in the industry and then also for extension, you kind of, you kind of really do see that um, communicational triangle really. Um, yeah, so you kind of guessed it. I think now we kind of want to ask you a little bit more about your work within TAPS and specifically what is TAPS and how does that fit into the extension system? Yeah, so TAPS is a program we started a little over five years ago. We're starting our sixth growing season here. Uh, so TAPS, we host farm management competitions. Uh, so participants and most of them are farmers, but we have some industry partners as well. Uh, we have some uh, regulatory agencies that have uh, are participating uh, in the competition. So basically, our TAPS participants make six decisions or a series of six decisions. Uh, they select a crop insurance package uh, for the farm. Uh, they tell us what hybrid to plant, uh, how many seeds per acre to plant. Uh, they tell us how much nitrogen to apply and when to apply that nitrogen. They tell us how much irrigation water to apply, when to apply that. Then they tell us how they would market their grain on a simulated 3,000 acre corn farm. So our yields for TAPS, you know, have been in the 250 to 300 bushel range. So the participants have to market close to 750, 800,000 bushels uh, during the, the, the life of the competition. Uh, we usually kick off in uh, mid-March and then uh, the end of marketing is the end of November. And then we'll have a banquet at the end of the year. So all these decisions that are being made by the participants that are being imposed in on one field here at the research center in North Platte. Uh, so they, they tell us what hybrid to plant, what seeding rate we plant that plot for them. And it's act, actually replicated three times here at the research center. Uh, so we plant the corn, whatever they say to plant, when they want nitrogen, we put it on, when they want water, we apply that. So we keep track of all these decisions as we go through the season at the end of the year, then we give out some cash awards. So the most profitable farming operation gets a check for $2,000. Uh, they also get one of those big publisher clearinghouse checks that are like three feet long, you know, and two feet wide. And I, I think they like the checks more than, than the cash itself. But uh, so we give a check for most profitable farm. Then we give a check for an award for 
uh, most efficient in terms of water and nitrogen management. So basically how many bushels did they produce for the amount of water and nitrogen that they applied? And then we do give a third award, it's for highest yield. Uh, it's a much smaller award. We don't want a lot of emphasis to be on high yield. And we actually had several of our initial sponsors say, you know, why are you even rewarding highest yield? It should all be about efficiency and profitability. And I really couldn't argue with that. We came to realize, you know, if we don't recognize highest yield, somebody on the outside looking in may say, well, I go for the highest yield, so none of this applies to me. And we didn't want that to happen. And the thing that I was most interested in is, you know, how does the highest yield compare to the most efficient yield? How much difference is there uh, between those two? And it's been pleasantly surprising. Uh, we've had several participants get the highest yield and they were also the most efficient yield. So that really dispels that myth that, well, you got to give up yield to be efficient. That's not true. We have a prime example of quite a few farmers that are being very efficient in how they apply water and nitrogen, but they're still getting those top yields as well. I think that's a really cool concept. Um, I think there's a, I don't know if anybody's going to admit this, but I think there's a little bit of competition in farming the way it is. So to be like the facilitators of a university contest, I think that's super fun. That sounds so fun. Well, you know, really competition drives innovation in, in everything oh, absolutely. you do. And uh, when you compete, you really, you find out pretty quickly what's your strengths and what your weaknesses are. And this TAPS competition has allowed our participants to be able to, to understand that. You know, maybe they're really good at grain marketing. Well, but if you don't produce high yields at an, you know, efficient and at a low cost, you know, you're not making a ton of money or, or maybe you focus only on agronomics. I'm really good at hybrid selection or, or picking the right seeding rate, but maybe I'm not so good on irrigation and nitrogen management. Maybe I could find some help there. This TAPS being a competition, it, it's pretty easy at the end of the year to look back and say, wow, somebody produced the same yield as me, but maybe put on hundred pounds less nitrogen and seven or eight inches less irrigation water. And, and to me, the important thing is it's all in the same field. So it's at the research center, it's in a controlled environment in one field. So you take away the differences in rainfall, you take away the differences in crop water use, you take away differences in soil type. So there's really no excuses of saying, oh yeah, they got a better yield than me because you know they get more rain in that county or they got better soils than me, so that's why they won. No, it, it's all in the same field. So it, it's really, hard to uh, ignore that at the end of the year when somebody does gets the same yield and puts on a lot less inputs than you do. Or maybe they do a much better marketing job than you uh, and get a lot more cents per bushel than you do. It, it's pretty hard to ignore that. And it's really kind of a wake up call for our participants to see somebody doing that much better than them. That uh, gives them some incentive to go out and figure out, well, what can I improve? How, how do I go about improving that? And that's where they can rely on the university here extension or you know private industry or other producers uh, we've had a lot of peer-to-peer -peer engagement within taps where the one farmer will go up to somebody that's won the competition the previous year and ask him you know how do you do that do you do that on your own farming operation and they've learned from that and, and made huge gains then well that leads perfectly into my next question from your perspective as an extension educator um, how do you see research like this being actually implemented on grower operations yeah, so it's been really fun to be in the TAPS because, you know, we're collecting a lot of research data along with this. So, you know, we're, we're learning about being more efficient and more profitable. 
Uh, but to me, the next, next step from TAPS is, okay, maybe they realize they need to improve their nitrogen efficiency. That's when we can rely on the on-farm research program to help that producer uh, do something on his own farming operation, you know, without everybody else watching, they can just do it, but do it in a replicated format and collect enough data uh, that we feel really good with the results. I've actually got one of our TAPS participants this year that wants to be more nitrogen efficient. Uh, he noticed others in the TAPS competition were doing better than him. So we have an on-farm research project with him. Uh, we're doing some side rest nitrogen application. We, you know, we took the soil test. We'll put in replicated strips of different nitrogen amounts on, uh, on side rest. And then uh, I'll come out and fly the drone a couple of times this summer to look at the imagery and see if we can pick up those differences in plant health or not. And then, of course, the telling tale at the end of the year is going to be the yield. Uh, if you put on more nitrogen, did you get additional bushels or not? Uh, if you didn't, then, you know, it was really a waste. You could have got by with less. So uh, that, that to me is the next phase of, of participants in TAPS competing, finding out what they need to work on, then utilize the on-farm research program to help them uh, make that, a, uh, that step, I guess, if you will, improve in management on their farming operation. Yes, I like how you mentioned both kind of how the research and how the growers um, can work and kind of learn both from each other. So I guess my next question for you is, what, what are you most excited about moving forward with Nebraska Extension and the Nebraska On-Farm Research Network? Yeah, so you know, I've been in Extension for 35 years. I've seen a lot of uh, technology development over the last 35 years. And it's really exciting for me to, to finally be able to have the tools to help those producers make those better decisions on, on water and nitrogen management. You know, I, I've promoted scheduling the last irrigation for the last 30 years, uh, but now we have the, the tools, the soil moisture sensors, we have the, the crop water use estimations at the field edge to help producers have that valuable information to make that decision uh, do I need to water another time or two at the end of the year, or do I have enough? Would I just be wasting that water, uh, having additional pumping cost, and then that water, you know, not going to produce grain? So that's the exciting thing to me, I guess, is having this technology, and uh, we have some great extension programs now to help producers be able to adopt this technology on their own farming operations. That's awesome. Uh, this might be the same answer, but it's a different question. So what's something you look forward to in the future of digital and precision agriculture? Yeah, I think it's exciting to, to know we have the tools that we have now. Uh, it's exciting to see how that's going to develop over the next five years to me. Uh, you know, still in the back of my mind, and it probably comes from working in Missouri, you know, the show me state, um, the first four years of my career that, you know, we, we have a lot of tools available, but which ones are the ones that are gonna really make a difference? And I think through the digital ag and the on-farm research, that's gonna help us to be able to, to identify those tools that, that really work, you know, 99 years out of 100 or nine years out of 10, uh, that, that, you know, people can really put all their eggs in that basket and, and feel very confident that it's gonna make a, a big difference to their farming operations. So, yeah, I think, just the development. We've got new companies coming into the digital ag scene every day. You know, another new one pops up, seems like about every day, but it'll be exciting to see how that continues to develop over the next five to 10 years. Awesome. So because our focus this season is in Nebraska Extension, we want to hear from you about what you think 
what makes Nebraska Extension different from possibly extension programs in other states? Yes, yeah, so great question. So in Nebraska, we have focused educators. So I'm focused on water and integrated cropping systems. Uh, we have uh, beef extension educators that focus only on beef management. So that allows me to really focus in and maybe even focus more within the water and integrated cropping systems. You know, I, my probably uh, my downfall would be on soil fertility. I'm not very good with that. I didn't take enough classes, didn't have enough experience with that over the years. So I have other Wix educators that I can call upon to come in and, and help uh, answer some of those questions or come in and deliver a program for a specific area that they're more qualified in. Uh, so I guess that's the, the exciting thing to me is, is we can really focus in, you know, in many of the states across the U.S., the extension educators is pretty much a generalist in agriculture. So maybe they're, they're only in one or two counties and they pretty much handle all the beef and livestock questions, all the crops questions. It's pretty hard to be uh, focused in on a specific area and, and really get to know that area and have all the experience and, and follow the research in a specific area. So that, that's what's exciting to me. Um, we've just hired several uh, new educators that have this digital ag experience. So I really see our programming in Nebraska Extension to kind of really explode in the next five to 10 years in terms of digital ag. And, you know, we've collected yield monitor data for years, but I don't think we've done a really good job of utilizing that yield monitor data to help make decisions on those farms uh, again, to help them be more efficient, more profitable. And I, I just really see that expanding a lot in the next five to 10 years. That's very cool. That's a good perspective. Uh, thanks for that. Is there anything we, that we didn't ask or talk about that you want to share before we, wrap, before we wrap this up? Well, the other thing I'd like to mention about the TAPS program is this model is really expanded uh, to other states as well. Uh, uh, Jason Warren down in Oklahoma started a TAPS corn competition uh, he's been going for three years. Uh, the next year, he added a, a cotton competition. So if you want to be a cotton farmer, I guess you can compete in his competition. Uh, so that's in Oklahoma. Colorado just received funding. They'll be starting a TAPS program next year. Uh, Texas is planning one. Florida is starting a TAPS-like competition uh, in Florida as well. So this, this kind of extension method of engaging with industry and engaging with producers you know, the whole season, it's not just like, hey, I'm going to have a meeting, come learn from me. It, it's really kind of engaging with them the whole year long. Okay, you made this decision last week. Now we've got another decision this week. How, how are you going to think about that differently? Or have things changed to help you uh, maybe change the direction of your farming operation? Yeah, I, I guess that the TAPS competition, the competition mainly uh, getting people excited about it and knowing their strengths and weaknesses uh, having that as an opportunity to compete. And, uh, it, and it's not just for the participants themselves. I actually talked to a producer about a month ago and he says, you know, he says, I've been following your TAPS competition. He says, I'm not a participant, but I read all your reports and follow your newsletters and stuff. And he says, it's making a difference on my operation. So that's the exciting thing for me to see, you know, we're having an impact far beyond just the hundred or so participants that we have compete. Uh, within the competition itself. Others are reading about it, learning about it, and uh, making changes on their operations as well. I can tell you as a college student going into her senior year and as an education major, that engagement for, I mean, in this case, 
they're adults, but they're still students, you know, they're learning from you. Engagement is huge. It's not always effective to just lecture at someone and just throw words at them to actually have people um, working on this with you and making their own decisions um, and being able to share that I think is so, so cool. So uh, the education Kelsey and me is really excited about this. I think that's very cool. Uh, if we have listeners that are interested or have any more questions about anything that we talked about today, what's a good way to uh, get some answers to those? Yeah, I mean, they can reach out to me uh, directly. My email is just chuck.burr at unl.edu. I uh, also encourage them to go to our taps.unl.edu website. All of our past reports are on there. You know, all of our industry partners who we're working with, our participants are on there as well. So they can learn more about TAPS. If they want to compete in the future, you know, send me an email or we've got an email address uh, on our website as well. So yeah, check it out. And if you're interested, give me a call or send me an email. I'll be glad to visit with you. Thank you so much for kind of sharing all about kind of the TAPS program and really about your passion for wanting to educate people on this side of agriculture on irrigation management and kind of how we can start using education and engagement to um, push science forward and push agriculture forward. I really enjoyed that today. I guess our last question for you is that, do you have any advice or words of wisdom for producers in any location that may wanna get involved in the extension systems and whether that be in Nebraska or within other states? Yeah, so you know, don't be afraid to reach out to your extension educator in your area, or if there's somebody, you know, maybe a county or two away that maybe has a different uh, set of experiences or background, feel free to reach out to them as well. Uh, the other thing that I, I probably should have mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about nitrogen management, uh, through the TAPS program, every year we, we look back and see, you know, what was the optimal rate of nitrogen to apply for that year? And it has varied 100 pounds from year to year. So yeah, even our UNL nitrogen calculator overestimated nitrogen by like 70, 80 pounds one year. Uh, the next year, our calculator is very good. You know, it's right in there year in, year out. But um, that one year, we just, we had a very warm early spring. We had a ton of mineralization. And so a lot of extra nitrogen available to the plants. Producers got by with 100 pounds less and to have that much variation from year to year really tells me that we need to go back to those plants again and have them tell us if they need more nitrogen or not. Because if you just take the average, uh, you're gonna be off by quite a bit from year to year. So yeah, just relying on the plants to tell us if they need more nitrogen or not is really gonna help us be more profitable and efficient in the long run. A huge thank you goes out to Chuck Burr for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. I have a feeling I'm going to say this about every episode this season, but it's really cool to get a look inside some of the research going on right here in Nebraska. Like we've been talking about, Nebraska Extension is a really important part of the university, and the research that's happening here is absolutely groundbreaking. I couldn't agree more. I loved his emphasis on research-driven decision-making with the Nebraska Extension resources. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to sharing another Nebraska Extension story with you next week on FarmBits.
Thank you for taking the time to join us on the Farm Beats podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the reviews section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Beats.